0: Welcome back to the Thrive Theology podcast. We are here finishing out our Problem of Evil three-part series. So we've gone through um, the problem of evil in the first two episodes. We've given you some of religion's answer. We talked about theodicy. We talked about free will. We talked about different examples. Today, we're going to talk about um, other explanations for the problem of evil, as well as how God uses evil, dealing with the emotional problem of evil. And then we're going to give you some resources to explore further on your own
1: okay so we have already gone through several different theological views on this podcast when it comes to salvation we have gone through several different theological views on this podcast we discussed calvinism in episode 47 we discussed open theism in episode 55 and we discussed arminianism in episode 79 these views can have different solutions or explanations for the problem of evil because they deal in different ways with God's sovereignty. And they can also be contradictory to each other. So obviously Calvinism Calvinism, and Arminianism do not agree on a lot of things. That's got to be the understatement of the century. No, of the Reformation. That is the understatement <laughs> of the Reformation, is that Calvinism and Arminianism disagree. Okay. <laughs> And then, of course, open theism deals with a progressive Christian belief about God's knowledge and how that operates in the universe. So first, we're going to dive into Calvinism's answer for the problem of evil.
0: Okay, so going over some basics about Calvinism, God is sovereign over everything. He's also sovereign over evil. He actively chooses and uses evil to bring about his desired purposes, which would be to bring the most glory to his name in whatever ways he deems fit. In talking about God's characteristics, his omniscience, meaning his all-knowing, means that he makes decisions with the whole of time in mind, and he has chosen this quote-unquote world because it best suits his purposes which we can neither know nor understand. And that in choosing this world, he has chosen actively um, the evil that has occurred in the world because those add to his purposes.
1: So there's also the inscrutability explanation. And this is that God has his reasons for allowing evil, but we as humans cannot expect to know or even understand these reasons. Um, God knows the reasons and we have to be okay with not knowing that we don't know those reasons. And this is supported in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. Amen. So when people question or disagree something with something that God has ordained and actively made come to pass, it really is an act of rebellion and has the ability to rob God of glory. So essentially, if we are saying that we know better than God does what God should do, that's like the epitome of pride. So for example, man's negative emotional response to evil being ordained by God is wrong because it questions God's. Um, perfect judgment and authority.
0: And then we also come to another sort of explanation for Calvinism's answer. Um, this would be the blood or butterfly effect. Now, this, uh, this butterfly effect isn't necessarily religious or Christian in nature, um, but it does interconnect with Calvinism's answer. So this says that the universe is so interconnected that something as small and seemingly inconsequential as a butterfly's wing making a puff of wind could affect hurricanes and all things in between. It is used in conjunction with the omniscience argument whereby God knows that every little thing, whether good or evil, is connected to the future. So changing something as small as a car crash where somebody dies could have on the whole, if you're weighing all these things, a greater negative consequence um, in the future than if God had just stopped the car crash in the first place. It says that even though we might think, oh, what reason could there possibly be for this? God knows that if that thing didn't happen, greater evil could happen in the future. And so he chooses every little thing to happen to accord with the universe that he wills into existence and that he wants to continue in which we live.
1: There's a country song about if I ever get to heaven, I've got a long list of questions. Like, how do you make a snowflake? Are you angry when the earth shakes? I think I've heard it. Something, something, something. And why couldn't you keep a car from crashing? Forgive me. I'm just asking.
0: Yes. I listened to it like three times. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It puts the problem of God in our face and makes us think about it.
1: Um, so that song that we were talking about is "Jersey on the Wall." I'm just asking by Tenille Towns. It's a it's a good song. I liked it. It's the the only thing that like somewhat bothers me in this song is the line "Why couldn't you keep that car from crashing?" Forgive me, I'm just asking. And the reason that that bothers me is like it's not a question of whether or not God could. It's why wouldn't he why didn't he Mm -hmm. like why didn't you start stop that car from crashing I think Mm -hmm. would be but I think that that's where a lot of people of our people are like well why couldn't God do that and that's what we're answering in this whole Mm -hmm. um podcast (laughs) series is a lot of people are like if God exists why doesn't he do that was from our very first episode Mm -hmm. if God exists then evil exists Either God is not truly good, so he doesn't want to do anything about evil, or he's not all powerful, so he can't do anything about evil. Mm -hmm. We explained that all in our first episode. So if you're interested, go check that previous episode out. Um, We should have just titled it, Answer to Town's Song, Jersey on the Wall. Okay. Are we on to open theism? Mm -hmm. Okay. So open theism's answer for the problem of evil is heretical because open theism is heretical. (laughs) Um, And by heretical, we mean that like it's not accepted in uh, Orthodox Christianity in traditional circles of Christianity. It is definitely a huge um, belief in the progressive Christian church So if you um, wade into the progressive church beliefs, you will probably come across it. Um, So the open theism answer to the problem of evil is that God does not have the power to stop evil, and nor can we be sure that he will win in the end, because even he doesn't know. So open theism, if you haven't checked out our episode on open theism, we do encourage you to do that. Um, We said it was episode 55, if you want to check that out. But open theism is essentially that, you know, there's good and there's evil in the world, like it's God versus Satan, or however you choose to phrase that, but that God does not have complete knowledge of the future. So God does not know what the outcome of the battle between good versus evil will be. He doesn't know, for example, like he He knows that I have the ability to choose pizza or spaghetti for supper, but he doesn't know what I'm going to choose because I have free will. So it's like an extreme view of free will that also kind of removes some of the sovereignty of God and his knowledge. And it basically says God is not really all knowing because he can't know what I will choose because I have free will to choose that. That is not like what Bethany and I believe. Um, I believe that God has the ability to know all of our choices. He knows what we will choose and he will, and he knows everything we could have chosen, but he will, but he knows that we aren't going to choose those things.
0: Um, Because God exists outside of time because he is the creator of time. Exactly. Is that, and I think that's called middle knowledge. Is that correct? Sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you for sure.
1: Okay. We don't know what that's called, but that's what I think. So the open theism answer tends to come out of the emotional response to the problem of evil. And we're going to get into the emotional response to the problem of evil in a little bit here. Um, But the emotional response looks something like this. I could never believe in a God who could have done fill in the blank and didn't. Like I could never believe in a God who could have cured a child of cancer and chose not to. It's a lot more palatable to believe that God could not cure a child of cancer rather than to believe that he could and chose not to for a lot of people. Of course, this really only is a bandaid on the problem because I would rather serve a God who I knew could do something and chose not to for reasons that I am okay with not knowing or for reasons that are hard for me to swallow. But at least I still know he's all-powerful. I would rather that than serve a God who's powerless, that who can't do anything. Because if you serve a God who's powerless and can't do anything, then like, what is the point of even serving that God? (laughs) You know, like why, why even pray if he can't do anything about it? Or I can serve a God who can do something and sometimes we'll choose not to, but sometimes we'll choose to do something about that. And so that's kind of where I land on that. Yeah, and and then of course, if you really know God and you can and you do trust that he is good and that he is trustworthy, it becomes a lot more palatable to believe that God maybe will choose something you don't want him to. So.
0: And all that to say, some of that language might have been misleading, but we're not telling you that you can decide which God to believe in. Like We think there is good evidence in the Bible, in the world, in history to believe that the God of the Bible is the real God. And that the idea that you can choose which God you believe in or choose a God of your own mind, your own making, that's actually more of a progressive Christian idea. Um, I guess I'm going to one comment here while we're on the topic, is that in our research, um, I listened to a podcast of a guy who had this idea that God um, couldn't stop evil because he loves everything. And the way this would play out is that God could not, like say there's a 12-year-old kid who has cancer, which is always the example that is used here. Um, The question is, why couldn't or wouldn't God cure the cancer kill the cancer in him well his response was because god is completely loving and god loves the cancer cells and therefore god cannot kill the cancer cells like that is just crazy like that that is what you believe about god that's not god that's not the real god um and like god (laughs) i'm sorry are cancer cells more valuable than a human life it's not that god chooses not to because he loves the cancer cells just like he loves the person God can choose not to because he has other reasons. So there are explanations to the problem of evil that are not um, in accordance with the Bible or orthodoxy, like Emily said.
1: Yeah, and just to jump back in here, I think that, you know, like you said, like that's an idea that seemed kind of out there. I think that that's really what happens, you know, with, with this podcast series. We are hoping to really better equip all of you to deal with the problem of evil, to answer skeptics when they talk to you, to have conversations with your friends and your coworkers and and the people that God brings into your life. But Bethany and I do not have all the answers, and mm-hmm. I don't think anyone on the earth has ever completely found the answer to the problem of evil. Um, it's one of those things that you really, I mean, you can you can know as much as you, you can try and know as much as you can, but you're going to hit a wall somewhere, and I think at some point you're going to have to say, I don't know. And um, the beauty of that is that we can come to a place in our relationship with Christ where we are okay with not knowing because we trust Him as a person, as God, as somebody that we are in relationship with. Not as a, you know, God is not a formula to be figured out. He's not a math equation to be solved. Um, But He's a person to know, a person with a capital P, (laughs) um, to know and to be in relationship with and walk with in our lives and to cling to when things get hard and to hope in when things are hopeless and um, to find comfort in when things are falling apart. So we do just want to encourage you as well, um, before we talk about Arminianism here, um, that there will probably not be one simple answer that satisfies you. That's normal. That's okay. And that's because we serve a God who is much, much bigger than we are and who has chosen to not completely reveal everything to us on this side of heaven. So We just want to encourage you with that.
0: On to the Arminian answer. Arminians would say that God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, and omniscient, all-knowing. And he has bound himself to certain actions by his promises to humanity. So a quick quick example of this is Noah and the rainbow. God promises never again to destroy the earth through a flood. He does this in Genesis chapter 9, um, verses 13 through 17, which we're not going to read because you know them well and you can go look them up yourself. Um, So God has put boundaries on his own actions to allow for the free will um, and he is acting within his character of love when he does so. In order to prove himself truly good and loving, God is involved in a cosmic battle to prove his character. Now this is an interesting idea um, that we're going to tease out further here. Okay, so in this Arminian idea that God is involved in a cosmic battle to prove his character. The idea is that because humans choosing God brings him glory, humans need to be fully free to make that choice. And so while God could intervene um, to disallow evil to do so would be to use his powers to influence humans in a way that would not allow them to be completely free to choose him. So, It's played out on a stage where evil and God exist and people can choose God. There must be evil and evil forces to show that God is indeed indeed able to make people love him, but he chooses not to and to allow for free will. It plays out on the backdrop of time with God's end goal of showing his nature um, as loving and allowing humans to choose him without complete coercion coercion on his part. This is interesting to me because we do see like triumph over evil, triumph over sin and death. Um, And that, but that God still intervenes in time and history for his own purposes. So it seems like this argument can answer sometimes like, nope, God has to, God can't force us to love him. He can't coerce us to love him because then he wouldn't be showing that we have free will and the love wouldn't mean as much but that sometimes he chooses to intervene for his greater purposes.
1: So last episode, we briefly talked about the idea that God uses evil in the world to draw us to himself. And we're gonna revisit that for a moment now. Although we've discussed and debated some different reasons for evil existing, we also wanna say, okay, so we've established that evil exists. We've hopefully given some explanation for why evil exists. But now what is the purpose of our suffering? What is the purpose of evil? Evil happens in the world when we rebel against God. We already know this. And God allows us to experience the full consequences of our actions. If you, you know, hit somebody, if, if you're a little kid, you're going to get a timeout. And if you're an adult, you're going to be charged with aggravated assault. So of course, we have all experienced pain in this life, but we will experience true joy in the next life if we continue to trust in God um, and if we entrust our suffering and pain to Him. God does not forget any pain and suffering. All will be held accountable. The people who cause pain and suffering in this world will be held accountable for that um, on judgment day. And that includes us. That includes um, us causing pain and suffering and others. We are going to be held accountable for that. Um, And so when we are trying to figure out the problem of evil and we're wrestling with this, we really cannot leave um, eternity out of the equation. We can't leave out Um, God's divine judgment and the fact that God will have the final say. He has the final word uh, word in this world. And yeah, so we just want to use that to encourage you. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce said, quote, they say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven once attained will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. I just love the picture that that paints where every tear that we cry, every sorrow we um, walk through will be um, redeemed at the end of time. Um, And of course, we wanna remind you that God himself came to us, came to this world in the midst of the evil and the pain and the suffering, and he created a way to him. Um, It's not something that we have to figure out on our own. All we have to do is trust in Christ and the gift that he has given us uh, in his sacrifice.
0: I think at the beginning of the first episode we said that there are two problems there's the philosophical problem and there's the emotional problem with the problem of evil and so we're going to talk now about dealing with the emotional problem of evil so yes there there is evil in this world and some of it can be horribly traumatizing and some of you may have personally experienced it but where do you go with your questions so with with this if you decide that because you can't conceive of any circumstances in which your suffering can be transformed into good and have been necessary, you will reject God. On most of the time, this comes out of somebody's personal experiences with traumatizing evil. They decide that because they can't figure it out, then you can't, that they can't trust God. But You can decide to trust that the God who is all-knowing has allowed this pain for a purpose and that he has already given of himself to put an end to ultimate suffering and evil in the sacrifice of Jesus. You can choose to trust that. When Job questioned God about why he had been allowed all the evil in his life, Job got a response and was very quickly put into place. Um, Job 31 verses 35 through 37 say, Oh, that I had one to hear me. Behold, here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. And the indictment which my adversary has written, surely I will carry it on my shoulder. I would bind it to myself like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. And that's a description of what um, Job wants to do when he finally sees God is bring this list of all of his grievances. Um, But God's response is basically. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me how animals work, how the weather is controlled, why the sun comes up every day. He says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I make a cloud its garment, the thick darkness its swaddling band, and I place boundaries on it set a bolt and doors, and I said, thus far you shall come, but no further. And here shall your proud wave stop? Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out? Of it? Basically, God says, You you have no idea how much more there is to this world. You have no idea that the small things that you experience, you're so small minded, you just don't know. And I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you myself as an answer. I'm going to give you the answer that I know. And that's enough. The Bible Project says um, on their study about the book of Job, the book doesn't unlock the puzzle of why bad things happen to God, to good people. Rather, it does invite us to trust God's wisdom when we encounter suffering, rather than trying to figure out the reasons for it. I, I love that because... It's true. Like, we are not owed answers. We as humans are not owed an answer. God does not owe us anything. And yet he chooses to love us. Sometimes he does give us part of an answer. Sometimes he lets us see why or parts of the reason why. But there is so much that will be answered in heaven. And while that might be a not so nice idea for some people, I am so looking forward to all the times where God um, we'll be able to say, I did this, and this was the result. This is the good that came out of it. This is this is what happened. And being able to glorify God and praise Him because of His wisdom, even when I didn't know or understand. Um, that is something to look forward to. And I kind of like the idea of praising Him even in, even in advance of knowing, of trusting Him even when I don't understand. And I, I say this all... Um, with a grain of salt, because I've not experienced any great trauma in my life. And I know that there are some that have, Um, but in doing this research and hearing the stories of some people who have experienced horrible evil and yet still choosing to trust God, I know that it's possible. um, And I pray that if this is you, that God gives you the grace and the mercy um, and the faith to trust him with that. And that you can trust that even if you don't know the answers that he does.
1: So we're going to wrap up this series on the problem of evil by just sharing a list of names that you can look up. Um, These are guys who have done a lot of work on the problem of evil and specifically um, in apologetics. And so if you want to know more information, um, looking at these guys is a great place to start. We have Dr. William Lane Craig. We have Alvin Plantinga, Gary Habermas, John Lennox, We have Frank Turek, Greg Kokel, Jay Warner Wallace, Lee Strobel from The Case for Christ, Josh McDowell, Tim Keller, J.P. Moreland, and Hugh Ross. All of these men have done a lot of work in apologetics, um, including dealing with the problem of evil, and so we encourage you to just check any of them out if you'd like further information. We do have a couple of recommended resources for you this week. The first one is an unbelievable podcast episode from 2014. We'll link it in the show notes. It's called, Why Does God Allow Evil? And Bethany, who is this a debate between? Okay, well, Bethany's looking that up. I'll give you our second recommended resource. It's from the Ask NT Write Anything podcast, episode 21. And it's called Free Will and the Problem of Evil. So we'll be linking both of those podcast episodes in the show notes for you to check out if you would like. Uh, Clay Jones and Richard Norman. Clay Jones and Richard Norman on the Unbelievable podcast. Okay, awesome. So we will link both of those in the show notes if you would like to give them a listen. So that's everything we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed this series on the problem of evil. If you would like any further information or any, um, if you want to ask any questions of us, you can check out our website, thrivetheology.com. You'll find means to contact us there, as well as all of our previous episodes and show notes and some blog posts as well. So we'll talk to you next week.
0: Hi.